It fascinates me studying Colossians the last few weeks is that um, as many problems as that church had, multi-problems, Paul starts off by saying, I give God thanks for you. And here's the strengths I see in you. What, what do you think makes Landmark a special family? What, what, are, what are some of our strengths? I think the, the front row is, is one of our definite strengths where we can, we can come and, and say what's on our heart and, and confess the things that we need to do. If, if sin is not uh, put to the light, it can't, nothing be done about it. Creating that atmosphere that was created before I got here is, uh, is another thing that, that really sold me on what, what this church is all about. I think one of, the, one of the key things to me is the diversity of our membership. We have people who have been Christians for 100 years, and we've got brand new baby Christians in, the, in our congregation. We've got people that grew up in the church. We've got people who are from every denomination that I can think of. I think we have a great education program, too. I mean, our adult education committee, um, they do a great job of, of making sure that we have uh, options, uh, depending on where you are in your walk and, and things that are relevant. And, you know, they get teachers and, and appreciate everybody who teaches. I think God has blessed us with some people that just have a tremendous gift for sharing the Word and bringing it to uh, life and, and showing how it applies to our lives. So I, I think we're, we're very much blessed in that. And I don't think that in any congregation that uh, Sarah and I have uh, worshipped with that we have experienced as talented a pool of people who are willing and desiring to teach the Word the way it should be presented. And that's from the Bible, straight, pure, unadulterated, so that we can learn the basics of uh, how to live a Christian life. I would say you can trust people to love you no matter what you've done. This church is, is to be highly commended for their acceptance of people. Acceptance is, we all, in, in a, we all desire, everyone in this life desires acceptance, regardless of how how messed up they are. They still need acceptance. And I think that's, that's the grace that this church has shown to people that we see up here weekly on the front row and, and as they interact in their, in their lives together is because, you know, we love you where you are. And I think, Buddy, you've said that many times. We, God loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where, where you are. So the, the most obvious strength to me is... Um, just what we've been talking about a good bit is, is the connection with Jesus. Um, I, I've seen churches that had a great love for one another and, uh, and, and lots of other qualities that we have, but our love for Jesus, I believe, is what binds us together. I think we have a great spirit of worship here. Um, you know, we, we are free to, you know, different worship styles, different you know, we come from different backgrounds, but we are all able to come together on a Sunday morning and praise God. And, you know, and I think that helps us in, in, uh, in our preparing our hearts for the word. It helps us in, as Zane just said, in, in um, ministering to each other because it, it puts us right at the throne where we need to be. Well, uh, you know, the children's ministry and uh, the youth and every, everything is done with excellence you know and I and I'm I call myself at my work trying to do that but I, I, I observe from a distance just the, the planning the praying things aren't just thrown together 
there's a there's a purpose, there's a there's a plan, there's a care and a concern about what's gonna go on during that time. And you know, and somebody can walk in here off the street and tell that's what God, God wants excellence. And, it, and you never know if you're going to get another chance to make an impression on a, on a family, especially a family who has children. I'd like to add another thing. Our mission program is, is awesome. 20 years ago, we, we sent a check to Thailand. Now we've got a bunch of different countries. I've been to all of them except for one. We have a wonderful mission program. And it impacts around people around almost every continent of the earth. A loving spirit. Bible says love is uh, very important in a Christian life. Uh, the ultimate thing to achieve. And there's a loving spirit here. Um, we do not deal with factions or fighting. It's non-existent here. And that's probably the biggest blessing to the eldership that uh, we could ask for. Don't you love hearing the elders talk about the wonderful things they uh, see going on among our church body? Uh, I especially appreciated um, Brother Dick giving me credit for that Max Lucado quotation. <laughs> God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. I think I'll write a book, but um, <clears throat> really appreciate it. I thank God for everything that he's doing in this church. And there are so many positives that are going on. I mean, people ask, someone asked me the other day, what do, you, what do you think makes this such a special place? I said, I, I really believe it's just the spirit of our people. And I, I truly believe that it's the spirit of God. And, and as we go back to the book of Colossians, I hope you recognize what Paul's been doing to this point. He knows this church has got some things it needs to address. And he's going to begin to address them. But he starts off by talking about their strengths and the good things he sees in them, and the things that God has done in their midst. And then he moves on to correction. We, we always know that's a little bit better, don't we? If you ever had maybe a coach or a boss or, or, or maybe a, even a spouse, that all they did was correct you 24 hours a day. And there was nothing encouraging, nothing to say, good job, thank you. How, what do you do with those people? I think in the long run, you, you learn to tune them out. You know, I, I can remember uh, moving to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and for some reason there was this one guy there, he was in law school, and he just could not stand me. He hated the fact that I was there. After every message, every devotional, he would critique me. One night at 10 o'clock, he shows up at our apartment door, he knocks on the door, and I answer the door and he says to me, buddy, I just want to tell you, every day I pray for you to leave. And I said to him, I said, well, Jerome, I said, every day I pray I'm staying. And I think I'm going to win. And he left and I stayed, all right? But listen to me, you don't listen to that. After, when someone's that way towards you, in the long run, you don't listen to anything they say to you. But I think of a dear friend I have here in this church who the other day said, Buddy, you keep on bringing this same thing up every Sunday. You've hit this hard enough. It's probably time you backed off. And this friend encourages me and loves me. And I go, you know what? You're right about that. And I think Paul, the master motivator, understands that, that what you've got to start with is how you're doing well. And then you move on to where you need to improve. 
And so today in our message, we're going to find a key word. Let's show this on the screen. We're going to find the the word everyone. It's all through the passage. It's the key word of the passage. And in the central verse, it's used three times. That's an interesting word if you think about it. It almost appears to be an oxymoron, doesn't it? Every one. We, we, we think of different oxymorons that we hear from day to day. Things like, I'm going to give you an accurate estimate. Well, that doesn't seem to go together, does it? Or someone says, this is a new classic. Well, it can't be a new classic. Or sometimes I hear people around here talk about landmark time. I think that, 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 that's, an, that's an oxymoron. certainly is for me. And, and, and Paul uses this word, everyone. And, and he's going to want them to know that there's something he desires for everyone. He's going to talk about how everyone needs to understand this mystery. How everyone needs to mature in Christ. And how everyone needs to experience the power of God. That's what he's going to say. So let's go to Colossians 1. Let's start in verse 21. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. It seems that Paul believes as he suffers, he is drawing close to Jesus in his, his suffering. He says, I do this for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. To present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery, that's a key word here. The mystery that's been kept secret for ages and generations, but is now disclosed in the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Here's the mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's what Paul wants. He wants everyone in on the secret. Now, now our translation here uses the word mystery. Mystery sometimes implies it's something that could never be understood. It's a mystery to me. And that's sort of the idea here. It's been mysterious. Probably for us, in our vernacular, secret might be a better word. Paul says this is a secret that's been hidden for ages and ages and ages that is now being revealed. What is the secret? The secret is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Jesus comes to be in you, and because of that, you understand, you have an expectation that you will meet him one day in glory. Now, Paul is taking the false teacher's words, and he's using them. There's an element of the church of Colossae that thinks they understand the secret. And they're more spiritual than everybody else. They've been let in on this secret. And nobody else is probably bright enough, intelligent enough, smart enough, wise enough to catch up with them. And so Paul takes their their very word and says, here's what I want you to know. Oh, yes, there is a secret. It had been hidden for a long time. But it is now known to everyone. Now, what is this secret? What is the shocker about this secret? The shocker is it's for everyone. Paul says this thing is now for the Gentiles. It's not just for the Jews. Now listen, there had been hints all through Scripture of what this secret would be. 
but it's not until this time that it, it actually is fully revealed. And Paul says, guys, here's the deal. It's not just for those of you that have got a Jewish background. It's not for those in uh, the book of Galatians, he says, who've been circumcised. It's not for those who keep the, the, the Jewish dietary rites only. It's not for those who speak to angels and for nobody else. Not any of these things, all these false teachers are foisting on the church. He says, guys, this thing is really, really simple. It's Christ. It's having Christ in you, and that is the hope of glory. And the shocker is, it is now for everyone. The secret is, it wasn't just for the Jews, it was the Gentiles. It wasn't just for the owners, it was the slaves. It wasn't just for men, it was for women. It was for everyone. Now, we can understand that a little bit. We love the word everyone. Let's say you've taken a test and you've gotten your grade back and your grade's not so good. And then the teacher stands up, and you don't know why he or she does, but the teacher says, I want you to know I'm going to give everyone an A on this test. You go, yes. Or maybe you work in a business where they give bonuses out. And every year they give them out based on merit, and for some reason they don't really appreciate your work, maybe the way you think they should, and you've never gotten one of the bonuses. And this year, the boss came in and said, I want you to know the bonus this year, we're giving bonuses to everyone. You love that. Or if you're an African-American student at the University of Alabama, finally the school takes a stand and says, the fraternity and sorority system at this school is now for everyone. That's what Paul's saying. What used to just be for the exclusive little club of our little people, it's now for everyone. And what is the secret? It's that Christ is going to be in you. Guys, we've got to understand that. That's why we're putting such a great emphasis on Mission Sunday. is because we believe this message is not just for Americans. It's not just for us who grew up in church. It is for everyone. And here's the cool thing. God wants to dwell in everyone. Let's just go through the history in a real simple form of God's dealing with mankind. I think you could divide it into three different epics of history. First is what I would call God above. God lives above. God is in heaven. God is the one who throws down the commandments. God is above us. Men experienced him that way for a long time. And then the next phase of history happens when Jesus walks on this earth. And it's not just God above. It is now God among us. I mean, you're walking down the street. And on the other side of the street, there's Jesus. That is God. God is now living among us. He's right there. You can touch him. You can feel him. You can speak to him. That was amazing. That blew people's mind. I mean, that was part of the secret that was revealed. I mean, the virgin birth was an incredible shocker. The incarnation that God would actually come and be among us blew people's minds. Still does today, doesn't it? But it gets even deeper, guys. It's not just God above us, God among us. The final secret is it's God inside of us, God within us. 
The God, I, I love how one author puts it, God's downward mobility. He starts up above, among, and now he ends up within us. Because that's the incredible secret that we have. That God lives in you. He's not simply above you. We got it even better than the apostles had it when he was among them. We got him right here. There is nowhere you go that God doesn't go with you. And what does God within you do for you? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Favorite definition I've heard of this years ago. The purpose of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is the same purpose he had in the Virgin Mary. And that was to form Christ in her. And God's what the Holy Spirit is doing within us is he is forming Christ in us. And Paul says, I want everyone to know that. And so finally, Paul says in verse 28, look at this verse. Here's where we see a lot of the everyone's, right? Verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Here's what Paul wants more than anything. He wants everyone to be mature in Christ. What is maturity? Maturity is Christ-likeness. It's becoming more like Jesus. It's bearing in your life the fruit of the Spirit. That's what maturity is. So Paul says, here's, here's what I stay up at night thinking about. Here's what, I, here's what I work for. I, I want every one of you to experience maturity in Jesus Christ. Because if we're not careful, especially in a grace-filled church, we decide the goal is simply salvation. And we want everyone saved. And God does too. The Bible says that. But God wants more for you than just your salvation. He wants more for you than just if Jesus came back right now, you would go to heaven and not to hell. What he wants for you, more than even that, is for you to mature, for you to become perfect, for you to become complete in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, that's what I'm working for. And Paul uses um, three words that define his plan. How, how do you do this, Paul? I, I like the three words he uses. I proclaim, I teach, and I admonish. Now remember, in the original language there, he says, I proclaim to everyone, I teach everyone, I admonish everyone. Proclaim, teach, admonish. I like that. And that reminds me of our plan as a church. Because see, as a church, we can't just be okay that we got big crowds. We can't be just okay that a lot of people become Christians. But we've got to be just like Paul, that what our real goal is, is for people to reach maturity. Oh, are there incredible things going on here that we ought to celebrate? Absolutely. But should there be a challenge to each one of us that we grow in Christ-likeness? Undoubtedly. So you've seen me present this before. Let me, let me do it again, all right? What's our plan? How do we plan in this church, as a church body, to help people mature? And I call this three plus one equals four. 
And, and here are the three things we start with. We, we want every member to be involved in worship, Bible study, and small groups. That, that's our goal. Not just because we want to get you there, our attendance needs to look better. Because we believe corporately that's the way we mature people. It's almost a, a direct reflection of the words Paul has just used. We proclaim, that's what happens in worship. We teach, that's what happens in Bible study. We admonish, we get close enough that we can encourage and that we can warn and that we can get a sense of urgency among us. That's what the word admonish means. It's got a, it's got a sense of challenge. But you know who's going to challenge you? is the person you let get close enough to you to know you, love you, and encourage you. And then they can step in and say, you know, buddy, you said that too much. You need to say something different. And so we believe those three environments are critical to who we want to be. Now, the one we discovered a few weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 10, where Paul says, you do need to keep getting together in these kind of environments. But when you get together, you stir up good deeds. It's not just for us to attend these things. It, it, it's, it's what we need is to, to be involved in good deeds and work and service. And I love the way Paul puts it there. Okay, you got together. Good for you. But when you get together, what are you doing? Here's what you need to do. You need to stir one another up. You need to fire each other up to do good deeds. And then that leads to number four, which is the, the word for completion, for maturity. Actually, for family, all right? It's a great word, a great number. And so here we go, guys. Uh, here's, here's our challenge. Let me repeat it again. Maybe you'll corner me and say you've said this too much. All right, here we go. We want you to be involved in worship, in Bible study, and in small groups. And we're working really hard to make those environments good. But that's not good enough. We want when you get there for you to be the one to encourage someone, to stir somebody up, to spur somebody on. That you don't go there just to get what you can get out of it. You go for what you can give. I, I like in one of the elders' videos that maybe you'll see the next few weeks, uh, talking about the need of Bible studying, what great teachers we have. And you heard some of that today. But I love one thing Jim Sanderson said. One thing you need to do is you need to make your mind up. We, we go, well, I go because it does something for me. I really like this teacher, or I don't like this teacher, so I'm not going this quarter. And Jim said, have you ever thought maybe you need to go for what you can do for somebody else? That's maturity. I'm not going just for what I can get. I'm going to, to stir somebody else up. And when that begins to happen, we're not just attending to attend, we're stirring each other up, then we begin to see maturity. And awesome things can happen. And that's our challenge. Now let's be really honest here this morning. At least I need to be honest. We, we've preached this for at least two years. And I, I just, I'll just say this. I have failed. I failed. I really thought when we came up with this plan that, that we could motivate people to do it. But honestly, when I look at Bible study numbers, they're about the same where they've always been. And we look at small group participation. So somewhere, let me just say, and I'm trying to say that to feel sorry for myself. I'm very disappointed in myself. But somewhere I have failed to be able to get this across because it's not happening as broadly as, as, as your shepherds believe it should happen. 
Here's what, here's what I, I believe. I believe it's not going to happen until there begins to be a movement among our people to say this needs to happen. I think you've learned to tune me out. That's what happens when you preach somewhere 17 years. You learn to tune somebody out. Oh, there he goes again, 3 plus 24. I've heard that enough. Come on, three environments go. We know exactly what he's going to say. You know what's going to change? Is when it begins to be peer among you. And you begin to ask each other as soon as this service is over. What Bible class are you going to? As we form small groups, you begin to say, you know, could we form this small group together? That's when it will start to happen. Where it's not dependent on what I say. Now, it can take some work. But that's where we're going to experience God's power. Look at this, this next point here. Everyone experiencing God's power. Look at the next verse after verse 28. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Paul says, man, I, I am working, I am struggling, and I won't stop until everybody's mature. I'm not okay that we got a big church. I'm not okay that there's just lots of folks over there at your church at Colossae. I'm, not, I'm only going to be at a rest when we're maturing in Christ, and so I work at it. But here's the incredible thing. It's when we work at the things that matter, we experience the power of God. Um, I read this book recently called Love Does. It's a great book. And the author writes these words. I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me, but now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. Paul says, I want my life to matter. And, And here's where you experience something incredible is when you step out. You say, buddy, I'm not so close to God. I'm not feeling so close to God. I mean, my walk's just been about the same for years. Here's what I'll tell you you need to do. You need to step out and do something that makes you uncomfortable. You need to step up and join that small group. You need to step out and teach that Bible class. My goodness, maybe you need to lead that small group. He said, well, you know, here's what Paul says. When I work at it, when I step out, and go beyond my own comfort zone, that's where the power of God makes up for my inadequacies. Because too many of us are only doing the things that we feel like we can do and we're comfortable with. And we've been doing it year after year after year. Because if you really want to grow in this new year, part of what you've got to do is you've got to step out to a place where you could not achieve it without the power of God. Because if all we're trying to do, guys, is what we can do with the own gifts and abilities God's given us, why does God have to come in and move more powerfully to fill us with more gifts and abilities? He does it when we step out. And Paul says, that's when the power of God begins to work in me. Now, here's my, my final challenge here, guys. You begin to experience God's power when you move from things being for me to them being for everyone. Stay with me here. This is the most important part of the message. You see, immaturity is, what does this do for me? Maturity is, I'm concerned with more than just me. I've got the heart of Paul. I want what's best for everyone. That's maturity. Let me tell a story. This, this week, our, our college, this weekend, our college students are in Panama City for what's known as the, the Gulf Coast getaway. I think we took a big group of 
college kids and adults down there. I was talking to Nathan Capps earlier in the week, our campus minister. And he was telling me they had a bunch of folks going, but he had a problem. And he said, what do I do to solve this problem, buddy? He said, I've got all these new people going that have never been in our group. Some of them aren't Christians. And we're taking the bus. In fact, we're taking two buses. And all those kids are riding the buses. But all my leader kids won't ride the bus. The people who need to reach out to these kids that are new want to go with their friends. He said, I've been texting them. I've been begging them. I've been asking them. You know, we, we, you know, we got these new people coming. We, would, you, would you not ride your car down there? Would you ride the bus so that you could interact with them and encourage them? He said, I'm having a really hard time getting anybody to do it. I said, what do they say? They say, well, you know, we, we, just, we just want to take our own car so we've got freedom. Or we just want to be with, you know, we've got a good set of friends we want to be with. He said, one of them said, I don't want to ride the bus because I want to be able to stop and eat at the chicken shack in Luverne. <laughs> Now, I've eaten at the chicken shack. It's not that good, okay? And I love what Nathan said to me. He didn't say it to them, but I said, you should have said it. He said, what I wanted to say to them is, would you rather be a part of the work of God in somebody's life, or would you rather eat at the chicken shack? Now, let me ask you this. If you had to be honest this morning, and you had to put yourself in one of those two groups... Can I ask you, would you be the one riding the car, or would you be the one willing to sacrifice to ride the bus? I think that's the big problem in this church. I think if we need to work on something is that we love riding our car, doing what we do, when we want to do it, not constrained by anybody else. I'm telling you, maturity is when we move from being for me to being for everyone. And I'm afraid a lot of us, if we be honest, we'd be the ones telling Nathan, even 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, Nathan, I know the bus needs some people to reach out to these young people, make a difference in their life, but I, I really would rather go to the chicken shack. So I'm asking you this morning, if we're going to be the church we need to be, and there's so many awesome things, but what's going to be the great movement is when we move for me, for everyone. When we begin to look with Paul's heart and say, you know what, we want everybody in this church to mature. We want to make room for everybody to be in a small group. Maybe I need to step out and grab some of my friends and start a small group among people that aren't in a small group. I was so inspired yesterday. I see my dear sister Sable and Kelly here. Yesterday we um, preached the funeral for Larry Marzella. And we're all used to seeing Larry sit right there. Larry passed away at 92 years old. He was a true American hero. Two Purple Hearts, more awards than you've ever seen. Fought at Normandy, fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Saved his troops behind enemy lines at one point. Worked for George Patton. I mean, on and on and on. He was an incredible incredible man and what a celebration we had yesterday of his life well let me tell you what touches me it's about six years ago Larry would have been 86 I was begging for life group leaders and guess who stepped up 
Larry Marzella. He's the oldest life group leader we've ever had. He, when I preached that and begged that, he was the last person I expected, but he was that kind of guy. You're needed, I'll step up. And today, what I'm asking for is some of us to step up and some of us decide, you know what, this church has done a lot for me and I appreciate that and I'm saved and i got a great relationship with Jesus, you know, and it's so cool to be here. But you know what, it's got, i got to get over me. I've got to get over, I, I need to mature. I need to become more like Jesus. And obviously with Jesus, it wasn't about him, it was about everyone. And I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines and not experiencing the power of God. And I know there's a lot of great leaders in this church, but let me tell you, obviously there's not enough. And what I want to do is I want to become one of those. And I'm going to move today from just being about me to it being about everyone. And whatever that costs me and whatever I do, that will be okay. Because in the midst of that, I will experience the power of Christ within me. So let's finish out with our word. Let's show it one more time is simply the word, everyone. And what I love about that word is I love in that word that the word won. Because see, as I'm preaching today, that says I'm preaching to you. That says I'm preaching to me. Paul says, I want everyone in on the secret Christ in you is not just for a few select people on this earth. It is for everyone. You don't have to know some secret that other. It has been revealed to you. I want everyone to grow up and be mature in Christ. I want everyone to experience the power of God. Paul was convinced if the Colossian church could catch this. And this is his heart for them. Incredible things could happen in their life and the life of the people around them. And I'm convinced today that if we as a church could catch this and we would mature and grow up, we'd experience things in this church we've never experienced before. Good works, deeds, groups, Bible studies. And we would be like Paul. What keeps us up at night is we want this for everyone. We've gotten beyond, thank God I'm saved, to I want this incredible gift for everyone I know. And I'm going to labor, as Paul said, and I'm going to work with everything within me so that everyone can experience it. And so today... I'm wondering who's going to be that one person that can decide to care for everyone. Who is it in this church that it's been about you for too long and you're ready to be a part of the answer, the solution, and you're going to start caring for everyone? And you're not going to make the decision to ride the bus or not to ride the bus for what's nice for you or whether you can eat at the chicken shack or not, you're going to make that decision because you want to do what's best for people.
And the decisions you make in this adult church are not just going to be about what you like or don't like or what you want to do or not want to do. It's going to be about what is best for, what's our word? Everyone. If you need to be that one person, why don't you step out right now while we stand and sing?